0: Now, what I wanted to do is notify the small business community and the entrepreneurs that if you just show up on social media, trying to say the same thing to everyone, and if you just try and broadcast, 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 it's not going to work anymore.
1: Today's show is sponsored by win the hour, win the with our three part formula team execution and scale, where we help you stop working so hard. Hey entrepreneurs, are you going full speed just trying to keep up? Do you feel you have more losses than wins? For years, I was rushing to get to the next thing. There was always something that I had to learn before the thing I actually needed to learn. I felt like I was running in the wrong direction and moving even further away from my goals. So the big question is, how do you stop Do you want the freedom that was promised to you when you started your business? I subscribe to the working school hours philosophy. Yeah, that means long summers, Fridays off, short days. And in order to do that, you really need to check out our winner's circle. Our clients tell us repeatedly they get 25 hours back a week within the first month of working with us. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Win the Hour, Win the Day, and I am your very lucky host. Today in the house, we have Daniel Priestley, and oh my gosh, I don't even know where to start with him. This interview is going to be a challenge because really what I'd like to do is hold him hostage and re-quote all his wisdom back to him like he didn't know he had it or wrote about it because he's got some spectacular books and i'll weave that into the conversation it's unbelievable there's clarity it's concise he looks at similar things in these books that you may have thought yeah we kind of talked about that before but he comes from a whole different angle and it's just so there's so many ah ahas in all this process uh 24 assets entrepreneur revolution key person of influence dan is the man and he's in the house welcome to the show dan
0: Chris, what an introduction. I don't know how I'm going to live up to that. I'm I'm glowing.
1: Well, boy, oh boy, we're going to dive into a whole bunch of stuff, but I just want to say quickly before we get to that, you do have some spectacular books and there's just so like there's there's people tell me I'm good at analogies and stuff but i was reading some of yours like you know when your face is your nose is pressed against the canvas you can't see you know you can't see the art and i'm like oh that's better than anything i love it,
0: i love a good analogy i like search i spend most of my life just roaming around searching for analogies you know oh, I'm, oh I'm you a big did fan.
1: Mm. you can't see the masterpiece and then there's so many there's it's all your books are so tightly written with just constant, like constant ahas. And even, I just want to mention this one because I thought it was, I looked at this, everybody constantly lists McDonald's and Apple as an example in business. And we all do that, even though sometimes it's a reach for us to relate to that. But when you gave the example, I think it was in 24 assets because I've read all your books. When you were talking about how Apple gave away iTunes to PC users, I was like, "Oh my gosh, he's right." I never, I never saw it that way before. Like, how did, it, how did we all miss that? So, anyhow, again, I promise that this will not be a show where I spend thirty minutes telling you about your wisdom. So, Dan, <laughs> let's let's move forward. And what are we gonna? Where do you want to take us today? Because you are really on the cutting edge of so many things. Let's dive into what it is we're missing now. Because I think what you were saying in our pre-chat here is that. Social media can just be a lot of white noise if we don't leverage it. So let's yeah, talk so, about that. Chris,
0: let me give you a little bit of background. I've mm-hmm. I spent the last 12 years working with three and a half thousand entrepreneurial companies. I built my own businesses north of 10 million each. Um, I, I started my first company when I was in my early, early 20s, and it became an $11 million a year business. Um, so that's a bit of background. And my last 12 years is all about, up to my elbows in entrepreneurial problems. Like literally we have these accelerated cohorts and people are always saying to me, how do I solve this? Or here's my problem. here's my challenge. So the reason my books are sharp and short is because mm. I work with entrepreneurs who have very short attention spans and I've got to find fast ways to make points. But that's where it all comes from. It comes from my day job, which is talking to entrepreneurs all the time and, and uh, trying to help them break through. And a lot of them love what they do, they're really good at what they do. They're phenomenal um, and passionate when it comes to doing the work that they love. Um, Many of them struggle at winning the work that they love. One of the hard things about business is we often start a business because we love the idea of particularly solving a problem or working with a particular type of client. The thing that many people don't figure out early on is that winning that work is hard. Like getting People in front of you is hard, and getting their attention is hard, and getting them to do something is hard. And all of this stuff that goes around winning the work is the very hard thing that's going on right now. Um, let me start with this. Okay. In the industrial age, the Henry Ford era and all of the factory era and all of that sort of stuff, the very hard thing was making something. so if you if you think about just something like a pair of scissors, uh, you would have to have an entire production facility and smelt steel and sharpen blades and come up with rivets and handles and all this sort of stuff. You'd probably have a factory of 100 people working together to, to make scissors. But here's the thing. If you could make them, you could easily sell them. There would be plenty of places you could sell scissors uh, if you if you could manufacture them. Today, if you go on Amazon and you do a quick search scissors, there's cooking scissors and craft scissors scissors for children scissors for play, you know play uh, there's giant novelty scissors there's tiny Left-handed scissors, scissors yeah left handed scissors right there's 300 different variations the, the hard part is no longer making it the hard part is finding people who are interested in selling it so mm. this is true for every single industry the, the supply side is um, the supply side's become easy and the very hard thing is the demand side. Like, how do you get people to want something? How do you get them to get, like, get excited about it and buy it and, and take action for it? So the big problem that we face as entrepreneurs is that we have an entire schooling system that's 150 to 200 years old. And everything in the schooling system is supply side. It's all about how to show up on time and eat on a bell and finish on a bell and be non-disruptive and don't be attention-seeking and all these kinds of things. And then you get out into the big wide world of entrepreneurship and you realize you've got to be attention seeking, you've got to be disruptive, you've got to do things at different times. So we've all been trained as to be how to good little suppliers of labor. Mm. And we're not trained on how to be people who bust into an in an industry and get everyone's attention and get them excited about something. So we're not promoters, we're not marketers, we're not salespeople. The whole schooling system didn't teach us to do any of those things. So That's one of the challenges that most entrepreneurs, most entrepreneurs face. They love the supply side. They're not so great at the demand side, even though they want Mm. to be.
1: That is, that's why he's here, everyone, because (laughs) I think that really, we, we talk and we talk and we talk and we use all these different words, modern worlds, you know, disruptive marketing words. But what you're saying and what you're nailing down is, look, there's a supply side and we can do that now, but that's not the problem. So the simplicity of just showing those two sides brings great clarity to it. Okay, wise words, take us to the mountain leader.
0: <laughs> well, there was a there was a time where it was very difficult for small businesses to get attention. And then along mm. came social media. There was a turning point in 2007. Uh, actually, 2008 it was. And I'll tell you why it was 2008. So all these social media platforms happened and kids in school started using them and university students started using them. And there was this thing called YouTube and MySpace and Facebook came along and it was kind of like trendy and cool and very young. And then something strange happened in 2008. Along comes Barack Obama. Mm -hmm. And if you went to his website, it said Obama everywhere. And then you click the button and you can go Obama on YouTube, Obama Twitter, Obama Facebook, and you could connect with Obama. And it was kind of wild because you literally would be his friend on social media in some cases he would follow you back on twitter um, yeah. and this magic kind of happened where holy wow the pre the future president of the country is literally tweeting daily and this was brand new back then this was not a thing like you normally yeah. had to kind of watch the commercials but now you're getting like live updates on the road from from this guy and it's like wow now this was the turning point this is where starbucks went oh wow we've got a make sure that we're on social media and uh microsoft and apple and like the biggest brands in the world nike they, they all started going social media okay get it and at the same time small businesses started going oh wait a second this stuff's free we could be doing this too so small businesses are like i need a youtube channel i need a twitter account i need a you know and it was very it was i mean it was really early days and it was like a thousand followers was a big deal back then
1: Yeah, let me just jump in here for a second because I want to add to what you're saying. First of all, you're from England, I'm from Canada. So when we talk about Obama, this is because it was global. It wasn't because global. it was in our backyard. And also yeah. I remember reading, you know, being fascinated with this too, with the books that were written on this afterwards is the fact that, you know, he was a, a man that came with a funny name and didn't have the weight and the, the connections that the, uh, uh, the Clintons had. And so instead of asking for a few, you know, people for big donations, he asked all those thousands of people, can you give five bucks, 10 bucks, whatever. So he just got smaller amounts from yeah. so many people. And again, we're not getting into American politics and all this other foolishness. No, no, it's not political. No, it's about the social media. So yeah, it was let, powerful let, stuff.
0: Yeah, let me set the, set the frame here that the US presidential election is actually the Formula One of the marketing world. And what okay. I mean by that is that in Formula One, they innovate the best technology and they deploy the best technology Uh, and then it turns up in other vehicles like ABS braking was in Formula One and then it was in normal cars. Um, So those types of things happen, those innovations happen in Formula One and then they get rolled out. So uh, Franklin Roosevelt, 100 years ago, he did the fireside chat, which was the very first radio campaign. And that moved us from newspapers to radio. And then Barack, uh, sorry, and then JFK did the first televised debate in 1963 and that moved us from radio to television. Mm-hmm. So the US presidential elections create these turning points in the marketing world. If you got to if you can detach from the politics of it and tune out from the noise of politics and actually just look at what's happening, you you start to notice this is going to be the big 10-year trend coming in the next mm-hmm. uh, in the next 10 years. So when I look at US politics or US elections, I'm not looking at what they're saying, I'm looking at how they're winning and who wins and what what strategies they're deploying. So Fast forward to 2016, two big things happened in the world. There was an upset called Brexit. There was an upset called Trump. Whether you politically, I'm saying a political upset, it was an unexpected contender came through. Now, behind both of those was an analytics company, a data analytics company called Cambridge Analytica. Cambridge Analytica, what did they do? They got people to fill in surveys and quizzes, and then they used the data that people used on those surveys and quizzes to feed back something called hyper-personalised messaging. So hyper personalized messaging basically says this. If we can figure out Chris that you love small businesses, then we're going to come in heavy with small business related um content for you, and we're going to say this candidate is the small business candidate. And you're going to go, "Oh, well I love small business, I'll vote for them." And then the person who lives right next door to you, they're really interested in healthcare because their parents are in healthcare system or something. And they come in and they say, "Hey, we are the healthcare aged care president." And they go, oh, well, I'll vote for them. The next person down, they're really interested in schools. We're the school's president, right? Here's all the content about schools. So this is called hyper-personalization. Three people living next door to each other on a street are seeing radically different messages depending on their preferences. Prior okay, hold to on, 2000- hold
1: on. My apologies. So hold on. I do, For a second, I, I drifted thinking about different pol- uh, politicians. But I think what you're saying, if I could just recap this, is mm. whoever it is, Chris is running for whatever election. It's me, the product, Chris is still the same, but we're going to twist or skew Ta- the messaging. Yeah, personalize. We're going to personalize. Yes. Okay. That sounds much nicer, doesn't it? That's why he yeah. has his job instead of me. <laughs> my, my marketing language is a bit harsh and negative. Okay. That's why he's here, everybody. Okay. We're going to personalize the messaging. So even though the product, me, is still the same, we're going to personalize it to meet something that interests, yes. you know, yeah. those audience. Okay. that. I, that is very powerful. I was just, you know, we're so used to saying, oh, I'll vote for that candidate or this candidate. No, you're talking about personalizing the message. Before before
0: 2016, Yeah. before 2016 happened, the vast majority of budget was spent on one message or a couple of messages. And it was all just like the same message, hope, change. Right. And it was all about having a particular word that cut through for the whole audience. And it was trying to like it was really trying to find something that was a thread that would unify people and, and get everyone lined up behind one particular messaging campaign. That was the that was literally for 100 years prior. Then 2016, that changed and they said, no, we're not going to do that anymore. We're going to personalise for each person. So it doesn't matter if you're three neighbours on the same street, mm. you're going to see something that relates just to you. And the way that we'll do that is we'll get you to fill in a quiz, we'll suck in the social media data, and we'll process that social media data and then tell you back information that is relevant to you based on what we think we know about you. So that's that was a 2016 innovation and it steamrolled up and steamrolled up. So essentially personalization was born uh, in a big way in 2016. Personalization became a move like a big thing in 2019. I noticed that big companies were learning how to do this. For example, Spotify, you see based upon your music preferences. Amazon, you see products based upon your past purchasing. YouTube, you see videos that relate to your past watch history. So this is these are big companies who know how to do personalization and it's gathering speed and it's gathering pace. Now, what I wanted to do is notify the small business community and the entrepreneurs that if you just show up on social media trying to say the same thing to everyone, and if you just try and broadcast, 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 it's not going to work anymore. So it worked, it absolutely worked from 2008 to 2016. That was the heyday. That was the absolute era for building followings and for getting cut through. And for like, you could go on any social media platform and get a thousand followers if you just did a few basics right. So that was, that. was there was a beautiful eight to 10 year period where just doing the basics well, got you a thousand, 10,000 followers pretty easily. So um, essentially, what I started telling people towards 2020 was entrepreneurs need to get on board with this data analytics thing and this personalization Mm -hmm. thing. Um, And it's not scary. It's easy. It's actually just as easy as having an Instagram account. It's just as easy as updating social media. You can be collecting data and doing personalized messaging uh, if you've got the right technology.
1: Okay. So let's talk about that for a quick second because this is audio, but... Uh, Dan and I, before the show, he showed me, he, he hasn't brought it up yet because he's, you know, he's a gentle marketer and he's not shoving it down anyone's throats, but he has made this amazing thing called a score, a scorecard. Do we call it a scorecard? Yeah,
0: we call it scorecard marketing and the technology okay. is called score app.
1: Score app. Okay. So score app is very simplistic. He showed me how to do it. It's simplistic as far as usability, not whatever. I'm I, I, you know, I'm really excited he's here and I've lost the gift of language. <laughs> I have bigger yeah. words, I'll call you afterwards, Dan, because I'm like, I'm my brain's going too fast. I don't have any three syllable words. Okay, so he was showing that to me and what's really fascinating to me, it was really easy to use because when you talk about data analytics, I'm telling you, we all take a step back I and know. go, "Oh my gosh!" Like, "Oh my
0: gosh!" Yeah,
1: and and then you look at stuff and you go, "Okay, all these analytics, I can go in the back end, I can look about it, I look at it, but what can I do about it?" And I yeah. found that it either gets overwhelming in content, and you start breaking things down and down, okay. and then you get down because you realize, "Well, great, we know that now. How am I going to fix that?"
0: Okay, and me, so I just...
1: think for this is more dynamic.
0: Yeah. Let me just change the way quickly you feel about data analytics. Okay. If I was to bring up a photo of your best friend, right? And, and I said to you, tell me about your best friend. Why do you love them? And tell me all the things that I should know about your best friend. You would say, oh, she's hilarious. And let me tell you three things, right? This is, this is a funny story. And here's another, this is, this is something super quirky that she does, right? Boom, boom, boom. And you start listing off that. That's data, right? So what you're just doing is you're accessing your database of all of her preferences and stories and things that, things that you know, common experiences. You're actually just going into your database and picking out all the stuff. So data analytics is the key to friendship. It's the key to love. It's the key to rem- like connection. Um, mm. If you have no data on someone, they're a stranger. And if you have lots of data on them, you know, they're a friend. Now we do this, that's the humanized approach to data the primitive approach to data is what is your name and email address, right? Uh. That's that, right, that's basic. Some people think data and they think like they had to take a statistics course in university and it was really hard and all that sort of stuff. The software and then technology does all the hard bit. You mm-hmm. just get to do the fun bit. And the fun bit okay. is figuring people out and seeing what they're interested in.
1: Okay, so, that so does I make hope, a difference.
0: <laughs> yeah. So that's that's just made that hopefully makes people feel like, oh, wait a second, data is just like getting to know someone um, right. and having having conversations with them. So how do we do this online? What we do online is we get people to answer a quiz or a scorecard or a diagnostic. Um, I don't know if you've ever taken a personality test, like uh, are you an introvert or an extrovert or yeah, any of that yeah. sort of stuff? Yeah, it asks you a bunch of questions. It says if you went to a party, would you feel energized or deflated at the end? And would you be more interested in reading or talking to someone about something? So it asks you a series of questions. And then at the end, it says, okay, it turns out you are an extrovert, right? So it then says, here's what that means and starts to communicate with you in that in that way. So that's a very basic form of a what we'd call an, a diagnostic or a scorecard or a quiz or a test. So as a business, you set up a quiz or a test or a scorecard, people start filling it in. And then once they fill it in, you learn information about them, and then you change the way you talk to them based on that information. So if someone comes out and says that they are a, um, uh, they've are they got a young family, young kids under 10 years old, blah, 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 you recommend certain holidays to them that you wouldn't recommend to a single uh, mm-hmm. you know, yes. bachelor, right? <laughs> okay. So you, you start making yeah. different recommendations based on what you know about them. Yeah. So th- that's the key. You're asking questions before you then make recommendations.
1: Okay, that is powerful and simple. And yes, we can use that. And you know, We do that in life where like I'm often on a lot of podcasts myself and sometimes I can see the language that this podcast is using and I'm like, oh, I can resonate with that part of me. And so I I tap into that because they're all about, you know, whatever, about efficiency or somebody's a little bit more woo woo or somebody's into fitness. I'm like, yeah, Yeah. I work out every day and I think it creates you as a business athlete. So I'm tapping into what the commonality there. So the scorecard if you're using it, it would be a link. And so you can customize this. And so you would put it at the end of your post or your video or tell us how that gets to integrated. It
0: any of your content it would link to a beautiful landing page that explains why someone would take the scorecard. And then there's a button that says start the quiz or answer the questions. And that's where people begin. Um, you would put it on your website. You'd have it on your social media. You'd have it on um, your email signature. If you do any content, you'd sign off with the content. So the way I stumbled upon this, I wrote a book called Key Person of Influence in 2009, 2010, and then I did a revised edition in 2014, 15, and in the book I wanted, I I was frustrated that I had anonymous readers who were reading the book but I had no idea who they were. Mm. Uh, We would give away copies at events. We would have a, you know, when I'd sponsor an event, we'd give away everyone in the conference would get a book. So all of this stuff was going on, but I had no idea if they were reading the book. I didn't know what happened to those books. So I put in there page 50, uh, if you've enjoyed the book so far and you want to get the most out of the rest of the book, take this scorecard to figure out what is the the area that needs the most work for you. Um, Where are you strong? Where are you weak? So it's a strengths finder for key person of influence. So what was crazy is we stuck this in the book and continued marketing the book. And then 90,000 people filled in the scorecard. Mm. So we had just a boom of leads. Every single lead, we knew 50 things about them. We could talk to them in a personalized way. We could segment our emails based on personalization. So suddenly, I've got this incredible database with all of this data coming in. 90,000 people filled in the key personal input scorecard. We did $10 million worth of sales on the back Wait, of hold
1: it. Hold on. I have to interrupt you because I actually feel tingling here. Because <laughs> <here>, Hold on. <laughs> the tingling is because I have had people try to sell me survey type stuff before as, as something. First of all, is unbelievably expensive. And secondly, I just thought, well, when you invest in this, it was very complicated And it was really asking for the consumer to buy into it a lot. Like you're still asking, because, you know, even when I get something from a company and they want me to fill a survey. I think for what, you know what I mean? Like I'm doing the work. Right. So I see, I felt like it was heavy on the consumer, but the little bit I seen of yours was it was so user-friendly. It was so efficient. And now what you're telling me too, is you're like, Oh my gosh, Yes, there are people listening to my podcast or reading my book. And now it's not a matter of going, well, they you know, they'll tell you two things. I've read your book and I have a business. I read your book and I, and there's like two facts. Like I'm a I'm Mm -hmm. a male and I have a business five years. Okay, that's not a lot. But you're getting, depending on how you how whatever the scorecard is, you're really getting some useful data that you could take like that you could even if you didn't have leads, you could then change your content the next thing you put out based on that data.
0: Yeah, exactly. So it's a two-way street. You're getting all sorts of data from them yeah. and they're also getting custom recommendations immediately. So here's the problem. Oh, okay. if you fill in a, when you fill in a survey, right. you mm-hmm. answer all these questions. And then the last thing that pops up is thank you for completing the survey. Right. And it's like, oh, okay, well, I'm glad you enjoyed my data. Um, now imagine, let's flip it. Imagine I go online and I'm thinking about running a marathon. Should I run a marathon? What do I need to know? It's my first marathon. And imagine I see something that says, "Are you ready to run a marathon?" Answer these twenty questions, and we will give you a marathon readiness score. And it's like, oh, okay, cool. So I click the button, and it asks me questions. You know, do you have you been training? Do you have a training partner? Do you have an experienced mentor? Do you uh, have you been watching videos and content on training strategy? Uh, Do you have uh, issues with knees or hips? Do you have good shoes? Right, it's asking all these questions. At the end, it says your marathon running readiness score is eighteen percent. You need some real support in order to be ready for running a marathon. Here's three recommendations to get started: watch this video, uh, buy these shoes, uh, and join this gym. Oh right. My gosh. So, sorry. Right. I'm so <laughs> <excited>. <laughs> yeah. So it's dynamic content. It's dynamic recommendations. Now, what's nice about that is that immediately I'm getting straight away value. Like I'm getting immediate value from for for my um, time that I've invested. But it's great from your point of view if you set that up that you're getting all this content about me as well. You know that I'm an eighteen percenter, so you pick up the phone and say, Daniel, don't run the marathon just yet. We need to get you uh, training first, or else you might do yourself an injury. Uh, let me let me help you. Let me support you so you can hit your goal. So then we're having a much better conversation. We're not just talking generic. Prior to that, you pick up the phone and you don't know whether I'm an experienced marathon runner who's run 20 marathons or if I'm it's my first time, you got no idea. You don't know if I'm 21 or 41
1: no so, let me jump in hold on I got to jump in before I forget so also too it's very time consuming because then I'm talking to somebody and it's going oh you've been in business six months it's like talking to a toddler I mean just you know they don't know don't know which way's up yet or somebody that's been in business 15 years and said Chris I'm still working too many hours so that's a waste uh, waste it's it's not a use a it's a very different conversation
0: yeah, yeah and totally. they're two different
1: conversations and it's uh, time consuming yeah. for me
0: and, and if I think time, for, if time is
1: sorry, sorry if time is the
0: issue. If time is the issue, let's say you've got 14 leads and you've got to choose who to call. You want to call, if you know that if someone's got 10 employees already and they've already got seven figure of revenue already, you know that that's a better use of your time than someone who's at an ideas stage and is wanting to brainstorm ideas.
1: Yeah. And you know, for me too, as someone that's always talking about that you should have a business that supports your life instead of consuming it there's there's a, a depth to that. You bring such clarity in all your books, but there is, yes, we help you get your win team, your what is next team. and We put systems and processes, which are our signature super toolkits in play, but people, there are things that can give you productivity hacks, but that's not going to, I can't fix this in a, in a, my, my struggle has been in the past. If you say something to me and say, well, give us some tips. Well, I can give you this, but it's not. Go- it's like the running shoes. I'll mm-hmm. give you running shoes to get in shape. But guess what? If you ate McDonald's twice today, these things are not going to help. So when you're saying, okay, we can give suggestions in the past that kind of slowed me down. Cause I'm like, oh, how am I going to explain this in, you know, two minutes or less, but you're saying, give them content. Okay. You're not ready yet. Here's yep. some supporting things of read this or watch this video or listen to this. And this will at least change where you're, where you currently are thinking, change your thinking process to enlighten you of what the next step versus just tangible hacks. Yes. Okay. I'm loving it.
0: This is a big trend in the future. One of the things that if you want to have a great lifestyle like you do, and you talk about what you're looking for is what I would call Cinderella clients. So think about the story of Cinderella the prince, he runs a, he he has a big ball, 2,000 people show up to the ball. He dances with all the different ladies and then he meets Cinderella and he's like, wow. And then she runs off before midnight and all he has is this magical glass slipper. Now he has to send his guys out to find Cinderella, but luckily he's got a way of identifying her and see exactly that the shoe fits. So it's like, okay, that is, there's a thousand non-Cinderellas. There's one Cinderella. I've got a glass slipper, boom. I know exactly that you're the perfect client. Now, if he didn't have the glass slipper, there's no way he would have re-identified Cinderella again. He would have lost her forever. So it's the same thing with the world that we live in right now. It's so noisy that we come across so many thousands of people. There's so many people who interact with us on social media, and we come across groups and, and you know, all sorts of stuff. We need a way of identifying who's our Cinderella client. So we need to be able to ask certain questions very rapidly that when that person pops up on the screen and it's like, yes, you've got between 10 and 50 employees, you've got between one and 5 million of revenue, you sell services, not products. You've been in business for more than seven years. You've got, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, um, you've already got social media things, this, 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 and this. And it's like, Glass slipper fits. You're my Cinderella client. I know that we're going to do great things together, and I don't need to talk to everyone else today. I just need to focus all my attention on you.
1: I'm sorry, I didn't hear half what you said, Dan, because I was punching in my credit card to score out. But anyhow, (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure some of it was good. No, I'm you know why you like
0: you like you just like a good analogy. So a Cinderella analogy is like.
1: But I do think like oh, I should have known better. I do think like your books. Um, And boy, oh boy, you guys got to go on Amazon, check out his books. My favorite is 24 Assets. It's just solid, tangible takeaways. You know how I'm all about big results, no fluff. Um, There's, of course, after you read, when the hour, when the day, but no, I'm kidding. (laughs) But I think too- this industry of getting, you know, for uh, please, for lack of better word, surveys, I just think has had so many gaping holes in the past. And I think like everything else you've done is you have really tightened it up and pulled it in to make it incredibly affordable, highly useful, you know, less demanding on the person you're right, filling it out with getting a reward. OK, let me ask you this, though, as my accountant always says, garbage in, garbage out. So how do I know when I'm starting to first use this go? Is it like social media? Do I ask different questions? Can I change the questions week to week, month to month? Um, How do I know when I'm sending them the content that they're resonating with that? Like, where is it that I know I'm doing this well?
0: Yeah. So look, there's a bit of a commitment that you need to... Commit that you're gonna have probably three or four, three or four versions of a scorecard before you get it totally right. Right. Um, and you can, you're gonna tweak and You're gonna tweak and improve it in the same way that you tweak and improve your LinkedIn profile, or you tweak and improve your YouTube channel, or something like that. So, um, to begin with, you most people kick off with a template. They start with one of our template libraries and they customize it. They put their photos in, their contact details, and they start just editing the questions that are in the template. Um, And that's what I would call directionally correct. Directionally correct is essentially making a step in the right direction and interacting with the market, see how they react to it. So a directionally correct step probably takes 30 to 45 minutes to get up and live using a template and making some edits. Um, Once you've done that little bit of beta testing, you might think to yourself, okay, I want to make this a bit more me. So you're going to change the the colors and the logos. You're going to maybe uh, edit the content a bit more deeply so that it really reflects your voice. Um, you're going to edit those questions and really kind of make those questions really targeted to the types of people you want to be talking to. Then you'll get into editing your results page and kind of giving people special offers based on how they answer. And you'll do a, like a you'll do a PDF that people get in their inbox mm. when they, when, when they've done it. So they get a PDF report. Okay. So, that's so you can start be-
1: with success and get traction. So it's not like a bit, so you can it, get, you can get going and get some stuff and then like anything else build on it, but it's not this huge undertaking of weeks and figure it out. And then that doesn't work and more huge undertaking of weeks. So it's no, really exactly. low entry
0: quite quite similar to your LinkedIn profile you can okay. be up and running on LinkedIn in 30 minutes and you can have okay. a pretty reasonable you can have a pretty reasonable LinkedIn in 30 minutes but then if you want a really nice LinkedIn that's performing it's a couple of hours maybe you want to put some articles there you want to go and put all your previous awards and your background you might want mm. to invite people oh. to do do your your customer testimonials and all that on LinkedIn so You could get, you know, it's like that with this, you get started in about half an hour to an hour and you're up and running in your live. And then um, you're going to do maybe two or three hours worth of tweaking over the course of the next month or two. And you'll have a really nice scorecard. By the time you get to version three or four, you are humming along. You've got an asset that doesn't need to change for a year.
1: Oh my gosh, Dan, we could have you back. We on like every, you know, the third th- Thursday of every month. <laughs> okay. All right. So I think the powerful lesson here is, and you know what, we very seldom have somebody on the show that has something that you can buy right away. Cause we're all just about giving away knowledge. But I think the powerful lesson here is, first of all, I do think it's got a low entry point and it's extremely affordable, but if you learn nothing else, I think it. I think your overview of where trends are going as far as, you know, the formula, the American um, candidates are, the campaigns are the formula one of where we're going with social media. I think that's a powerful path, the way you articulate that just to see where we are, because we're so caught up in what's in front of our face day to day and what the demands of social media are upon us that you just, you think, okay, are we done? No more. Like, are we just, I just got to keep up to this and you don't see the beauty Of where we're going with the forefront or how it's changing, so I think you were so highly articulate with that, making it something that you can absorb versus just trying to outrun. Right? Anyhow, I could do another whole show, Dan, where you could just sit there and I could tell you how smart you are. But none of that.
0: I'll happily do that show. You like that one? (laughs) I'm a normal man. Like, if you're just gonna go and say, "Hey, you're awesome. You're amazing," I'm gonna sit there and absorb that. My love language is is words of affirmation. So. I'm, I'm all about coming back every week.
1: I always tell people flattery will get you everywhere. Thank you very <laughs> much. Where can people find when they're, you know, they're going to the key and Dan Priestley, Daniel Priestley anywhere, and you're going to get all kinds of content, check his books out, Amazon, where can they find out more about this score app and and where would you like to send them?
0: So ScoreApp.com uh, app.com okay. is where they can, um, they can go and. Uh, it's very easy for me to get you, Chris, a special link for an extended trial. So on the front okay. end of the website, it's a 14-day trial, but I'll I'll get you a link, uh, which will give people a 30-day fr- okay, awesome. free trial. Yeah. So I'm guessing people can like go to the show notes for that, or they can, um, yeah. you know, maybe check out your website or wherever. Um, and essentially that just moves it from a 14-day free trial to a 30-day free trial, just while you're setting up. Uh, and... Um, yeah. It's basically, it's pretty simple and it, there's no contract. It's, it's less than 40 bucks a month. Uh, and uh, essentially if it's working for you, great, keep it going. And if it absolutely, if it isn't working, get rid of it, uh, find something else that works for you.
1: Well, you're awesome, Dan. Thank you so much for your brilliance and everybody else. We will see you in the next episode.
0: Thanks so much for having me on. Hey guys, don't
1: miss out. Hop on over to free gift from chris.com. That's free gift, G-I-F-T from chris, K-R-I-S.com. We are constantly putting goodies in there just for you guys so that you can have a business that supports your life instead of consuming it.